on this episode of Every Family's Got One. Stories about moms. Featuring comedian, actress, and star Mary Birdsong. I needed $1,300 and fast. Also starring Renaissance man, writer, musician, Mr. Dave Hill. I grew up on the mean streets of suburban Cleveland. Hi, I'm Barbara Harrell. And I'm Tony Menudo. And this is Every Family's Got One. The podcast featuring family stories. Right. True family stories. Incredible family stories. <laughs> stories uh, that are cringeworthy and hilarious. Funny and strange adjectives. Family stories. Yes. And today we're talking about moms. Yeah, moms get shit done. Ooh, you don't want to curse around moms? Sorry. They'll fuck you up. Our first story is hilarious. And it's from Mary Birdsong, who is hilarious. That's right. You may know her from Reno 911 mm-hmm. or the movie The Descendants with George Clooney <sighs> or HBO Succession. And now you can look for Mary on the upcoming HBO Max series called Generation, mm-hmm. where she plays a giant mechanical ant. <laughs> no, it's not true. I think it is. I- don't think it is. Anyway, here is Mary Birdsong. With her hard-to-believe story, Paris at 16. Paris. Ah, Paris, the city on the Seine. Actually, that's true. That is true. In 10th grade, my high school in New Jersey announced they were hosting an educational 10-day trip abroad to France. I needed $1,300 and fast. I took as many babysitting gigs as I possibly could, but soon it was late March and I still didn't have enough money to secure my spot for the April trip. My best friend, Nina Toole, was definitely going. Her parents had paid in full as soon as she told them about it. I didn't even bother to ask my mom if I could go. I knew she couldn't afford it. I mean, we weren't homeless, but we were still poor enough that I qualified for the free lunch program. They may as well have called it a free humiliation program. They made you stand in a separate free lunch line and flash a red free lunch voucher to the free lunch lady for your free, lukewarm, slightly bloated, grayish pink hot dog and sauerkraut. Next. It was everything you imagined it to be. Nina and I were sitting in French class as my teacher, Madame Hernandez, who, in spite of her name, Hernandez, was really French. She'd fought the Nazis in the French underground during World War II. So... We knew not to mess with madame. Tell your parents, s'il vous plaît, that the last day to get their deposit checks in is jeudi. Friday. Or possibly Thursday. Anyway, I could feel Nina's eyes on me, wondering if my mom had put a deposit down yet. Nina, I don't think I'm going to be able to go to Paris with you. Because of some lie. I was too embarrassed to say, look, Nina, sadly, the exchange rate for the French franc and the American food stamp is not good. It's just not optimal now, you see. It's just not ideal at the moment, is the situation. But it's so unfair, cried Nina. Like, the entire 10th grade is going, except for you. (sighs) Yeah, I'll do that, Nina. I'll tell her that. Damn it, Nina was right. I'd work too hard not to work every angle of getting myself to France. So I broke down and told my mom, who said she would ask my father, my very upper-middle-class father, who lived in Kentucky in a lovely McMansion and had plenty of money. As my mom and dad spoke on the phone, I whispered helpful selling points. Once-in-a-lifetime educational experience. The sights, the food, the wine. The wine? 
Parents were asked to sign a permission slip saying their kids could drink alcohol in Paris. <laughs> oh, New Jersey public school system. Surprisingly, my father didn't contribute a dime to my frivolous French pipe dream. So my mom did what any parent would do, really, under the circumstances. She borrowed $300 from a priest, Father Henriksen. May the Lord be with you. And late one night took me and my eight-year-old sister to a casino in Atlantic City to gamble our salvation on blackjack. 21. She didn't gamble on a daily basis or anything. I mean, she was addicted to pills, not poker. She reserved blackjack for dire emergencies to stop the lights from being turned off or if the food stamps hadn't stretched far enough that month or if she wanted to say, oh, I don't know, surprise her daughter Mary with a big trip to Paris for her 16th birthday. So look out, golden nugget, here we come. Now she usually made these late night casino runs by herself. She worked alone, see? Solo, alone, I tell ya. No pesky kids tagging along, asking a lot of questions. But on this night, she piled me and my eight-year-old sister, Veronica, into our great big 77 Forest Green Lincoln Continental. It had only one working door at the time, but in all fairness, that one door opened and closed with such grace. So smooth, like a dream ballet with power windows. It's really the only way I could describe it. Now, because my sister and I were both under 16, we weren't allowed on the gambling floor. We had to watch my mom from a balcony high above the action, even though I really didn't want to be there. From that high up, the view below was intoxicating. Lots of bald-headed comb-overs that puffed out little cartoon clouds of cigar smoke and tons of little cocktail waitresses in ruffled round skirts that kept bouncing off of the cigarette-smoking comb-overs, their bouncy boobs cushioning the impact as their drink trays zipped back and forth from table to table. It was like a human Ms. Pac-Man machine. And in the middle of all that motion and smoke and ringing bells, my mom. This raven-haired beauty with her whisper-soft voice in a high-necked white lace affair, what they, I believe they called it a prairie blouse. Back then, we could see her wringing her delicate but well-worn hands, looking really serious, nursing that slow gin fizz for about five hours, until finally it was 2 a.m., and I could see my mom walking towards us on that balcony. I was so tired and so pissed about watching my younger sister. There were no cute boys around. But I perked right up when I saw what my mom was waving under my nose. Not newfound money for a trip to France, but a dinner voucher. It was like a fancy food stamp. A coupon for a fancy dinner at the nicest restaurant in the whole casino. We stuffed our stuffed baked potatoes with bacon bits and sour cream and butter and salt and pepper and chives and then stuffed it all down our gullets with a prime rib chaser and all the soda refills we wanted. And suddenly it all seemed worth it. The waiting around, the babysitting my annoying sister. I was like, look at us. We'd gone from frozen Swanson dinners on rickety metal TV trays while watching Kojak to dining at the finest place in town. And I had to admit, I liked how it felt. This huge casino kissing our asses. We were Frank, Dean, and Sammy. It was way past 11, and we were out on a school night. You want to make something out of it, Mac? Ain't that a kick in the head? Yeah, get lost. I ate so much that night that I had to unzip my skirt at the table. On the ride home in that Lincoln, I drifted off to sleep with a running dialogue in my head. Fuck Paris. I have fun flying to stupid France on that big dumb plane and eating a bunch of frogs and snails. Losers.
Long after I'd given up hope of ever seeing the Eiffel Tower, I learned that on that trip to Atlantic City that night, my mom had won a lot more than a few dinner vouchers. $2,000? It may as well have been $2 million. She told my best friend Nina that she was going to surprise me with a trip as an early birthday present. My brother, my sister, everybody was in the loop except me. I don't remember when or how my mom told me. All I remember is that it was true. I was actually going to Paris. And the moment I set foot on Parisian soil, I discovered I really loved the culture, meaning the wine. In fact, I got so drunk on culture on one of our last nights there that I fell into a fountain, fully clothed. I somehow made it back to the hotel, fell onto the bed. The room is spinning. And the next thing I know, I hear Nina saying, I'll go get Madame. You what? I think I managed to squeak out en français. No! Sacre bleu! It was too late. Madame, she arrived within minutes to find her prize student vomiting into a trash can. <laughs> My drinking privileges for the rest of the trip, yeah, they were taken away. But even sober, Turning 16 in Paris is très cool. Merci, Mama. Bonsoir. Holy crap, great story. I'm feeling hungry. Of course you are. You know, as a mom, I'm always looking for a way to serve fast and healthy meals to my family. And that's why I love Hickory Farm so much. With one Hickory Farms hearty beef box, I can serve my husband a sweet and smoky beef log, my daughter a hunk of farmhouse cheddar, and keep the cranberry nut mix for myself. Barbara, what is that sound? Want to win your own Hickory Farms hearty beef box? You bet I do. Well, it's easy. Just send an email to everyfamiliesgotone at gmail.com. Did you say everyfamiliesgotone at gmail.com? Mm-hmm. And remember, put meat in the subject line. I will. You'll automatically be entered to win a Hickory Farms basket of your own. Good luck. You know, and speaking of meat, Barbara, it brings us to our next story from Dave Hill. You may know Dave from his appearances on The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Inside Amy Schumer, and as a contributor to This American Life. But you'll know him now from his amazing story about a very special dinner. Mm -hmm. Here's Dave Hill with Mom and Meat. Hi, I'm Dave Hill, and... um... As you may or may not know, I grew up on the mean streets of suburban Cleveland, actually in a house in suburban Cleveland with uh, three sisters and a brother and my, and my two parents, both of whom worked full time. And uh, it was a pretty, uh, as you can imagine, pretty, pretty crazy house. Uh, with all of us running around doing our thing, pretty much every flat surface in the kitchen growing up was covered in half-eaten bowls of cereal and just nothing was ever put away. And anyway, my mom would make us dinner um, most nights and it would usually involve just throwing a big slab of something or another into a Pyrex dish and throwing that in the oven and microwaving a baked potato and, you know, throwing it on the table for all of us to just tear at it until it was just gone in seconds. And anyway, uh, one time, it's probably the late 70s, early 80s, I'm guessing. Um, it was during the summer, and my mom decided she was going to make 
a steak for all of us. And it wasn't, you know, wasn't a prime cut. So she decided she was going to marinate it in, uh, in something, you know, to, to, uh, I make it better. I don't know much about steaks. Anyway, so, uh, we all sit down to the, uh, the table that night for dinner and, and, uh, my dad grabs a knife and starts cutting up the steak and putting it on, on little bits of it on our plates for all of us little kids. And, uh, and my oldest sister, Miriam, takes a bite and she's like, oh, this, this steak tastes funny. And then my brother tastes it and he's like, oh, it's gross. And then my little sister tried it. And she almost passed out. And then finally, you know, we're all, you know, we're all complaining about how to, I don't even know if I ever even tasted it, but we all, all chiming in, complaining, you know, something's wrong with this steak. And my mom's like, oh, you kids always complaining about everything. And finally, my dad decides to take a bite of the steak and he sits there for a second and, you know, he furrows his brow and he says, it tastes kind of like Murphy's oil soap. And my mom just all of a sudden she, you know, you could see her mind racing and she's like, oh my God. So I guess what happened is earlier that day, she was on the phone as she pretty much always was when she was in the kitchen talking on, you know, the landline with the cord that she's stretching all over the kitchen as she goes about her business. And I guess what happened was there was a a bottle of vegetable oil on the counter and right next to that, apparently was a bottle of Murphy's oil soap, um, which is great for cleaning just about anything. And uh, somehow she grabbed the Murphy's oil soap instead of the, uh, the vegetable oil and dumped that into the, the Pyrex dish uh, with the steak and then popped it into the oven. And anyway, so she's freaking out and she's like, oh my God, oh my God, I, I poisoned my family. And she, you know, so she grabs the phone and of course right under the phone is one of those stickers that was very popular at the time, uh, you know, for the poison control, control center. So you could, you know, in the event that you poison your entire family, you could give them a jangle, see what was going on. And so she calls them and, you know, you're just here, we're just hearing her end of the conversation and we're all, you know, saying our goodbyes to each other and things like that, telling each other what we always really liked about each other and what we didn't like. And uh, so my mom's, you know, the poison control person answers and and, and my mom, mom says, help, I, I poisoned my family. And, you know, there's a pause and she said, no, no, I didn't do it on purpose. And and then there's another pause and she's like, I... I marinated a steak in Murphy's oil soap by accident. And then, you know, my mom's freaking out. And then, you know, so she's obviously listening to the other person. You can see her, uh, you know, slowly calming down. She says, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. Murphy's oil soap is, is really great for cleaning just about anything. Yeah, okay. All right. You have a nice night, too. And then she hangs up. And she says, oh, the poison control person said it. It's fine. It's not poison at all. poisonous at all. So she grabs the uh, dish off the table that was holding the steak and um, starts walking over to the sink and turns on the water. And my dad says, what are you doing? And she says, I'm, I'm rinsing off this, just going to rinse off the steak and get the soap off of it and so you guys can eat it. And, uh, you know, we you know, all of us kids start freaking out and all of that sort of thing. And my dad... Um, I'm thankful to him to this day. Uh, he says, come on, 
we're not going to make them eat this steak. You know, and my mom's complaining. She's like, you goddamn assy kids. That was, I've never heard anyone call someone a god. My mom was very bad at profanity. She did not know how it worked. She didn't know the rules. So as a result, one of her biggest insults was to call us goddamn assy kids when she was really mad. I mean, she was a wonderful mother and I miss her dearly. But, uh, yeah, goddamn assy kids. You knew she was mad when she was calling you that. Anyway, so she's calling us goddamn assy kids. And my dad says, come on, we're not going to make them eat the steak. And and uh, my dad said, you know, come on, let's, let's, let's go to McDonald's. So we all piled into the car and went to McDonald's. And he let us order whatever we wanted. It ended up being a pretty great night. And um, But the one thing I still wonder to this day is, how did my dad know what Murphy's oil soap tasted like in the first place? So, how did his dad know what Murphy's oil soap tasted like, Barbara? I don't know. Family secrets. That's right. It's a wrap of episode one. Yay! We would like to thank our storytellers, Mary Birdsong and Dave Hill. Now, look for Mary on the new HBO Max series, Generation. Where she plays a giant <laughs> mechanical ant. I don't know if that's true, but find out. Subscribe to Mary Birdsong's YouTube channel and follow her on Twitter and Instagram. And look for Dave Hill as a Devo-obsessed... Devo-obsessed. Devo-obsessed weed dealer in the upcoming film Drunk Bus, starring Ozark's Charlie Tehan and Will Forte. Forte. (laughs) (laughs) It is. You know him from Saturday Night Live. Uh, And look for Dave on his podcast, Dave Hill's Podcasting Incident. Uh, and you can follow Dave Hill at Mr. Dave Hill, Mr. Dave Hill on Instagram. Every Family's Got One is produced by Barbara Harrell and Tony Menudo. Special thanks to Alex Clark for our theme music. Our talented audio engineer, Paul Weiss. Special thanks to Horizon Media. Wordsworth and Booth. Mike Stafford for legal and production assistance. Catering by Hickory Farms, which is not an official sponsor, but we sure do like them. Sure do. Subscribe to Every Family's Got One wherever you listen to podcasts and follow Every Family's Got One on Facebook and Instagram or on our website at everyfamiliesgotone.com. See See you next time. time.